welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of interviews with top leaders in health IT. Today's guest is Grant Morgan. He's CEO and co-founder at R0 Systems. Welcome, Grant. Thanks for having me, John. I'm uh, absolutely thrilled to be here. Yeah, so excited to talk about uh, a technology that probably many of us have seen in the movies and <laughs> we've, seen, we've learned about it now thanks to COVID. But uh, before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and R0 Systems. Yeah, so I'm Grant Morgan. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of R0. And uh, R0 fundamentally is a biosafety company. And the way we do this is we combine proven science with modern technologies to help organizations create and maintain really the safest possible indoor environment and ultimately protect what matters most, people. Yeah, interesting. I mean, like I said, I think it's become so important. This, you know, It's always been important in healthcare, but maybe even more so with COVID. So let, let's talk about UV. What does it do and why does it matter? Yeah, so UV is actually not new technology. It's actually been around since the early 1900s. In fact, the 1903 uh, Nobel Prize for Medicine was awarded to a guy named Niels Finson for the use of UV to treat lupus. Wow. And since then, it's been used in wastewater treatment applications since the, the 1910s, uh, air and surface disinfection applications since the 30s, and fast forward to today, um, UV is kind of the gold standard in in hospitals. But um, you know, UV is just, UVC is just light at a very specific wavelength. And uh, the, uh, uh, that light has enough energy to disrupt the bonds in the DNA and the RNA of uh, really any kind of microorganism. And, and when it disrupts those bonds, it renders those microorganisms incapable of reproducing or infecting humans. So effectively, you know, killing them. Um, and so, you know, one of the benefits of UVC is there are no known UVC microorganisms on the planet. So it'll work against any kind of virus, bacteria, mold, fungi, uh, and the like. Um, and it matters because uh, of a couple of reasons. But number one, it's highly effective. There's a mountain of scientific precedent proving the efficacy of, of uh, UVC. Um, number two, it's efficient. Um, you can treat a large room or large spaces, large volumes of air, large uh, 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 surface area in a very short period of time. Um, number three, it's sustainable. Um, so it consumes, you know, significantly less energy than, uh, than say, you know, an HVAC system that you're trying to increase ventilation with or um, uh, produces, you know, significantly less waste, uh, orders of magnitude less waste than traditional sort of chemical disinfection as well. Um, the last thing is, is sort of the, the mechanism of action. So, you know, it works in the background. It doesn't rely on human behavior and personal choice. Uh, so it can be installed within your space and automatically working to keep people safe in real time, rather than relying on uh, uh, notoriously unreliable uh, humans. Uh, you know, we are all imperfect and, um, and people have different beliefs. And, and so, you know, things like vaccines, um, uh, masks, uh, although very effective, uh, says the science, um, some people choose not to uh, participate or, or, or partake in those things. So, um, you know, this is really a sort of universally applicable, highly efficient, highly effective, sustainable way uh, to create and maintain indoor environments. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the sustainable piece. That's that's really interesting. So as you look at it, I mean, how are 
hospitals approaching it today and are we taking the wrong approach or the right approach to disinfecting buildings in healthcare? Yeah, I, so I, I, would, I would say that as with anything in life, you know, we can always do better. Um, you know, if you think about a, a hospital or a healthcare environment, uh, they, generally speaking, they have these types of organizations have the most difficult challenge um, mm -hmm. of any type of an organization. So, you know, uh, there's tons of different pathogens within the four walls of a hospital. And, uh, you know, you have uh, higher high risk environments because of the, the patients who may be immunocompromised or uh, unable to, to uh, you know, fight off infections. And you also have, you know, the frontline workers, the nurses, the doctors, uh, and the like, uh, the administrators that you have to keep safe from all these patients um, as well. So, uh, you know, healthcare environments are also have the, the most consequential outcomes as well. So what I mean by that is the cost of the hospital acquired infection is very high. Um, but more importantly, there are lives at stake. Um, you know, every healthcare provider that, that I've ever met uh, has a deep passion for improving the lives of, of their patients and the people that they treat. And so, um, you know, to the extent that we can do a better job keeping, uh, uh, you know, a patient safe and deliver a higher quality of care, um, you know, everybody's all in on that. So, uh, so healthcare is generally sort of a center of excellence um, and in a place where where we uh, stand to learn a lot because of that, their challenge and, and they typically adopt you know, the, the, the best tools and technologies uh, in hospitals. Um, but I, I would say that there's a huge opportunity outside of hospitals as well. So places like senior care communities, schools, the workplace, hotels, restaurants, uh, event venues, and more. Um, all of these places that we as humans spend, you know, 90 plus percent of our lives. Um, and we have, you know, objectively done a terrible job at keeping ourselves safe in those environments. So I think there's a huge opportunity to take the best practices and the best tools and technologies, the most effective engineering controls from hospitals and deploy them in other common spaces, uh, you know, where we as humans spend 90% of our time. And so, you know, we, we, got a glimpse of this uh, uh, in the impact that these measures can have through the pandemic. And, you know, one small example is that if you look at the number of influenza cases, uh, you know, through 2020, 2021, um, you know, we, we actually showed a 99% reduction in influenza, um, which is an indicator that the basic precautions uh, that we took to, to uh, uh, contain the spread of COVID were more than effective enough to you know all but eradicate almost uh, you know less infectious diseases like like influenza. So um, I think you know hospitals generally speaking have the the, the highest risk uh, of any type of environment. I think they generally do a pretty good job, but there's always room to get better. Yeah. So let's talk about the COVID piece of it. You know, what are you seeing healthcare organizations do when it comes to disinfection systems, and have have they changed what they're doing based on what we've learned from COVID? Yeah, so I, I think I, you know, I categorize it in a couple of different buckets. So, you know, number one, there are these sort of manual interventions. So this is, uh, you know, chemical uh, uh, sort of processes, manual processes where somebody's physically wiping down surfaces uh, in, a, in a hospital room, for example. Um, they use special chemicals like quaternary ammonium or quat. Um, they have special protocols and procedures and trained staff as well. Um, those protocols and procedures include masking, which you know, we are all now very familiar with, you know, hand washing. Um, the basics like that. So those are what I would characterize as manual interventions. And what we've seen is the frequency um, of those and the attention paid to sort of compliance with those manual interventions has increased. And I think that's here to stay. Um, another category would be infrastructural. 
So this is things like ventilation. And so, you know, I think uh, if you look at like an operating room, um, uh, you know, they follow the science and operating rooms can have, you know, 12 to 20 air changes per hour, which is not really feasible or necessary in a lot of other environments, but yeah. in a high risk environment where you have a patient on the table that matters. Um, the last one is what I would say sort of automated uh, or technological uh, 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 sort of controls, things like UVC, um, the product you see behind me, rather on this side, uh, ARC uh, uh, is a good example of that and other types of devices that can be installed or moved into a patient's room. But, you know, we've seen broader application of these types of technologies. Uh, so, you know, instead of just relegating them to an operating room or patient room, um, we're seeing technologies like ours being adopted in patient waiting rooms uh, or, you know, staff uh, break rooms and things like that. So we're seeing a proliferation throughout the healthcare environment. Um, but another trend we're seeing is a, a is a broader use of data, software, machine learning, um, and things like that, uh, new technologies that we've seen in other industries be adapted for the hospital. Um, but you know, these technologies can be used to improve processes, make them more efficient, more effective, but, uh, but also you know, provide a higher quality, a higher standard of care as well and produce better health outcomes. So just like there's an opportunity to take the best and brightest tools and technologies out of the hospital and put them into schools, the workplace and the like, um, there's a huge opportunity to take cutting edge technologies uh, that you might associate with Silicon Valley tech companies and apply and adapt them to a health a healthcare environment to produce better health outcomes. So I think really COVID has accelerated the adoption of some of those newer tools and technologies. Um, and I think that those those trends and, and those uh, the, the technologies that have been adopted are here to stay. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense why COVID has driven a lot of the awareness and, and probably budgets for these types of technologies. But what else do you see as really driving kind of true disinfection approaches and, and adoption of this technology? Yeah, so I, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but, you know, hospitals, healthcare environments, uh, those types of organizations and the people that work within them, they want the best care for their patients possible. Um, and to the extent that they learn new information, that there are new tools and technologies that are backed by science and provably produce better health outcomes, um, you know, I think healthcare professionals are all about them and, and want to adopt them. So I think that, you know, the proliferation of new technologies, the innovation that's happened as a result of COVID has only, you know, provided more options and accelerated the adoption of those new technologies. Um, another sort of trend that is, you know, probably I call it 10, 12, 14 years old now, I guess, um, you know, really came into place with Obamacare. So in 2008, when Obamacare uh, came about, um, you know, they shifted the, the economic burden of HAIs from Medicare and Medicaid, who used to reimburse for HAIs, to now the hospital. So now, you know, hospitals bear the financial burden of an HAI, which can cost, you know, ten dollars to $40,000 per occurrence. So, you know, there's in a monetary incentive as well for, for hospitals and healthcare uh, uh, organizations um, to, uh, uh, to adopt new tools and technologies and in, improve the standard of care. But, you know, I think more broadly speaking on sort of a societal level, I think COVID catalyzed an awareness of the relationship between indoor spaces and human health. Mm -hmm. And it showed us how vulnerable we really are. Um, and I see the beginnings of what sort of we refer to as the healthy buildings movement where um, you know, these changes are here to stay, much like the green buildings movement over the last couple of decades, where we've been relatively successful at reducing energy consumption and the carbon footprint of the built environment. I think we're we're going to see a paradigm shift, um, a societal sort of uh, uh, adaptation where we start uh, you know paying attention to 
the, the health of the environment, the quality of the air that we're breathing, you know, 18 to 20,000 times a day, and, um, and the, the, the safety of the environment that we're providing for uh, the people who work in our organization and the people that you know, our buildings are designed for. So I think all of those things are here to stay. Uh, you know, there's there's been sort of this this paradigm shift that's happened, um, and I think largely it's a it's a good thing. Although it's it's a little bit it's very unfortunate that it took a global pandemic to realize this. Um, but I think in general we're trending very much in the right direction, and and uh, I think we as humans will all benefit from this over the next several decades and beyond. Yeah. No, we have to find the silver linings, right? <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. But, you know, I think it's interesting. You, you, you talk about the patients and protecting the patients. It feels like many organizations probably want to protect their staff as much as well, especially given the workforce shortages that are happening. And an investment in this technology can protect the staff so that they're not out and then they're short-staffed even more. Seems like that might be an important angle that people would think about also. You're absolutely right. I think there's two real problems that we focus on at the highest level. Number one is trust. Um, number two is safety. Uh, the safety piece is a little bit more obvious. How do we physically create safer spaces uh, for, for humans to, to occupy and, and gather in? Um, but the trust piece, a little bit less obvious. But you know that has to do with what you touched on. Um, so you know how can we communicate to our employees, uh, to our staff, that we are doing something differentiated uh, to uh, protect their health? And not only uh, 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 do employees want places where they can physically be safer, but they want to feel safer as well. Um, and, you know, our healthcare workers, you know, bless them. They, they, they've been on the front lines and bearing the brunt of, you know, uh, of, of COVID, of this, you know, sort of once in a generation pandemic. Um, and I think they're tired. That's what we're hearing from the market. They're tired. Um, you know, they're, they feel underappreciated. And, you know, the least we can do is, is put their health and safety first. And so, um, you know, that's a big sort of trend that we're seeing. Um, and, and I think it's, it's well-deserved and long overdue, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if I think about some of the in infection specialists at it, they, you know, they probably look at it and say, well, we're probably doing good enough. We have some tried and true disinfection approaches. What would you say, why would you use UV over some of these kind of tried and true approaches that most organizations have already implemented? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, I, I touched on this at the very beginning, but UVC is in fact tried and true. Um, that's one of the things we love about it the most. Just not uh, as there's a mount in certain yeah, areas. Is that the difference? It, it, exactly. Yeah, it hasn't proliferated far and wide. But you know, what we've done though is is uh, to address your question more specifically. Like uh, we've taken that tried and true technology and we've innovated on top of it in a couple of meaningful ways. Um, so you know, one way that we've innovated is is we we use specific wavelengths of light. Um, so we use, you know, traditional UVC uh, in, in this product arc that you see, I've turned around here, right? Uh, <laughs> a mirror, but this product arc that you see here uses traditional 254 nanometer UVC. Um, our, uh, we have another product that uses 265 nanometer uh, LEDs to produce the UVC light. And that does a couple of unique things. Number one, we can dim and brighten the output, which you can't do with a traditional light bulb. It's either on or off. Um, so we can right size the output to maximize efficacy, but while maintaining safety in that room for the occupants. Um, uh, another thing about 265 uh, uh, nanometer wavelength light is it's uh, about 20 to 30% more effective or efficient at inactivating microorganisms compared to 254 nanometer light. Um, 254 was used because we have the, you know, the medium to generate that light in, in vaporized mercury. Um, but with the advent and the proliferation of LEDs, we can actually tune the light uh, to be the, the optimal wavelength uh, for the best possible outcomes. 
um, you know, 222 nanometer light is another wavelength that we use. Um, and that is a novel form of UVC called far UV um, that does not uh, harm human skin or eyes. So, you know, this wavelength of light cannot penetrate the top layer of human skin uh, or the tear layer in your eye. And therefore it is safe for you to be exposed to. Um, in fact, about 30,000 hours of exposure to, uh, to filtered far UV does less DNA damage, less cellular damage than about, uh, than about 10 minutes of exposure to moderate sunlight on a spring day. Um, so, you know, there, we, we tune and tailor, um, the, the wavelengths of light for the application and have innovated in that way. But, you know, the, the, the broader sort of set of in innovation is we've taken this technology and we've married it with software sensors and IOT capabilities. So modern technologies, um, that can help, you know, improve processes and, and, and outcomes, but, you know, this allows us to have unprecedented visibility into how a space is being used. Um, and that allows us to identify the risk and really pinpoint it and then use the most effective and efficient mitigation method um, uh, to react to that risk that we're, um, you know, that we're identifying. But, you know, if you ask an epidemiologist or, or even a physicist, um, we know how diseases spread, um, but we don't always know how our, our spaces are being used. Um, and so, you know, the application of, of technologies allows us to automate things. It allows us to, to pinpoint and, per, uh, you know, precisely target uh, the, the risk that exists. And, uh, and it allows us to ultimately do disinfection and infection prevention more efficiently and effective, effectively than we've ever done it before. Yeah. Sounds like you've worked on the packaging, which is, the, you know, like you said, it's a tried and true technology, but you need the package to be able to manage it and, make, you know, address the workflow. What I find interesting is you have a wide variety of products. I mean, you've kind of talked about a few of them now. How does a healthcare organization know which UV product to use? Does the space matter? Does the size matter? I mean, how do you think about that and what healthcare organization, you know, which product they should use? That's a great question. And the short answer is that we help organizations uh, understand uh, what products to use, how many they need, where to put them and whatnot. So, you know, we design our products um, in our product portfolio uh, with the goal of being able to walk into any physical space and uh, and sort of design a custom combination of our products to to meet those cust that customer's needs and um, and provide a holistic solution for them. And so, um, you know, we design each product is designed for a variety of different use cases, uh, and they're designed in different form factors to fit different space sizes. So. There are some for smaller, more enclosed spaces like a patient room or an operating room. There are some for um, large occupied rooms like uh, like lobbies or waiting rooms or cafeterias and things like that. Um, and there are mobile products that you can move around as well, uh, uh, which gives you some interesting benefits as well. But long story short, we'll actually walk into our, our customer space and we'll do a risk assessment. And so we'll collect some basic attributes about the space. So what's the size, the shape, you know, the ceiling height, what are the ventilation characteristics, how many people are typically in it for how long, where does the traffic flow, some basic uh, attributes about the space. And we take them back and we feed them to our machine learning model that will actually quantify the risk. Okay. And then what we'll do is we'll actually uh, produce a proposal where we will we will create a sort of crude 3D rendering of your space and we'll we'll recommend um, the right combination of products, the placement of those products, and generally we'll provide a good, better, best uh, recommendation uh, for the customer to choose from, and and we kind of go from there to tailor and right size uh, uh, that deployment. Um, so you know we we handhold our customers through it. We think that that's a really important aspect of uh, you know what you get for partnering with an organization like ours, and 
you know, along the way, we're educating, we're providing, uh, you know, detail around uh, the third party uh, test data that we have to inform the decisions. Uh, we're, we're helping them understand the science uh, and why we made some of the design decisions we did. But long story short, we partner with the customer um, from the moment they reach out or we get in contact with them through the installation and the setup and onboarding and, and beyond. Um, so we really focus on being a, a trusted partner uh, for as long as, uh, as long as our customers stay with us. Makes sense. And it's amazing. Machine learning is everywhere. <laughs> it is. It's amazing the impact it can have. You know, you also offer some dashboards, which I find interesting. I've never seen that in a UV product before talking with you all. Can you tell us about how that helps a healthcare organization with their tracking and management of, of kind of their disinfection approach? Yeah. So, so I, you know, I mentioned a, a couple of times through the interview, the, um, the idea of marrying, you know, tried and true technologies, you know, proven science and building upon that with modern technologies. And this is sort of one of the instantiations of that, but, you know, effectively all of our products um, are IOT enabled. So they're generating data about how they're being used in the space, uh, where they're used, when they're used, how long they're run for, things like that. Um, and they're also collecting data about how a space is being used. So, you know, uh, is the room occupied or not? How many people are in it? What does the risk profile look like? Um, and, you know, one of the benefits, uh, you know, this speaks to the trust aspect uh, that I was talking about a little bit earlier. Um, but one of the, the benefits of having this sort of auditable trail of disinfection activities is it makes this historically invisible process disinfection now visible for the first time. And so we originally designed the, the features uh, in, in the software for compliance. So did the protocol get followed? Um, uh, and, you know, it was highly effective for that. But what we learned was our customers started taking that data and sharing it with their employees, their occupants, their patients, um, to prove to them that something differentiated was being done to keep them safe. Um, and that really has helped to engender trust um, and, 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 and uh, you know, build those relationships uh, between the organization and the people that they serve. And so um, it's gone a really, really uh, long way in that respect. And we're really doubling down on that transparency and that trust. But, you know, it also provides actionable insights to allow organizations to improve the quality of care uh, and or operational efficiency, um, you know, understand uh, how they might be able to improve the care that they're administering uh, for patients as well. Um, and there's, there's also, you know, of course, fleet management type things. So, you know, facilities manager and infection control specialists can log in from anywhere in the world and they can see the current state of operations of all of the devices throughout their portfolio globally um, in real time. And so, you know, they can look at, you know, is there a problem with certain devices that, are, you know, uh, have a maintenance issue or, or do they have bulbs that need to be replaced or, um, you know, have they not turned on in a long time and you may want to send someone out to check. Um, things like that uh, uh, to provide tools for our customers to, to manage their fleet effectively. But the beauty of it is they, they all work automatically in the background. So, um, you know, the, the, the fleet management aspect is, uh, you know, partially for visibility, but also sort of anomaly detection. We manage by exception because if our products are working the way that they're designed and the way that they should, um, then nobody has to do anything. You don't, you don't have to touch them. They just, they work actively to keep you safe. But um, that, that software has been a really powerful tool to establish trust um, and provide transparency, but also automate workflows, make things more efficient um, and the like. Yeah. Now we've seen that in the medical device space with a lot of organizations tracking the info so they know, oh, we have unused devices or we need more devices or, you know, we can re, you know, reassess where we're using it, et cetera. So that makes a lot of sense. 
The trust one's interesting as well, because I, you know, as you pointed out, every hospital person I've ever worked with said the last place you want to go if you're sick is the hospital because of hospital acquired infections. So it's great that you're working to improve that trust uh, by making the place safer for the employees and patients. That's awesome. Absolutely. So where can people go to learn more about R0? R0.com. So it's R-Z-E-R-O.com. No spaces, no uh, uh, no special characters. But yeah, drop us a line. Uh, find us on LinkedIn too. Um, go to our R0 uh, LinkedIn page. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Drop us a note, but uh, we'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Thanks, Grant, for giving us, a, I'd say, a bit of education on, on how far UV's come and the ways you're innovating on, on the UV technology. And thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast and application. Thanks, Grant. Thanks a lot, John.